It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Dealer No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Mike and the Anna got to play some games. Let us pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H A P B M B. Mike and the Anna got to play some games. Let us pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R H and welcome to the RHAP B&B for episode two of Survivor Edge of Extinction. My name is Mike Bloom, back to talk about more Survivor 38 with a panel of lions and baboons and tigers. Liana has really opened up the Pandora's zoo cage, as it were, to let these animal comparisons out. Liana, what havoc have you wrought onto the RHAP community at large? I don't know, but uh, I definitely know that there were a bunch of sunna loose in this episode, and I can't wait to talk all about it. Yeah, you really were like ahead of the curve when it comes to it. Or Jeff Probst was somehow able to, I don't know, have a, a premonition, woke from a sleep one night in the sweats, called up John Kierhofer and said, sew up those snakes. I have an idea. Uh, but of course, to talk through everything snake. Of course, when we have one of the only handful of episodes in Survivor history to end on a to-be-continued, it's only proper that we bring in someone who's, at this point, quite the expert on unfinished episodes of reality television, specifically her coverage of The Challenge, X on the Beach, Are You the One, basically everything MTV for reality TV wrap-ups. Ali Lasher, welcome back to the B&B. How you doing? There's nothing that makes me reevaluate my life and my choices like an intro like that. But uh, no, um, I'm so happy to be here. I love coming here. You know, I was noticeably not invited back to the BNB last season. I don't know if I left a mess in my you, baboon cage. You, listen, you, you but, moved on up to the east side temporarily. You were with Rob on the feedback show. So we're like, OK, all right. Temporarily we'll just- is the operative word there. Uh, no, I'm so happy to be back. I love being able to do this. I was listening to. Um, the last two B and B's, which were amazing, on my flight back back home. I actually traveled to get to the B and B this time, uh, and I was just thinking, like, oh my god, I'm such fans of Mike and Liana, and I get to like also talk to them as friends on the podcast. It's like such a delight. But that's the last nice thing I'll say here because the library's <laughs> open. No, the library's not open. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited. Did you just like wedge the library door open and then closed <laughs> it again while all the kids were waiting outside? Yeah, because you guys are more practiced readers than I am, so it could only be bad for me. <laughs> I read at a drag queen level, actually. <laughs> That's what they told me when I took my assessment test. So, yeah, uh, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have like a sad straight white girl proficiency, which puts me at like a second grade reading level. But you know what? Straight straight girls are finding idols uh, over the course of the past two seasons. So at least when it comes to Survivor, your stock is rising. You know what's interesting about that? Like, are we ever going to get to a point of idol parody where we don't have to, like, intro a woman finding an idol with being like, by the way, women never find idols. (laughs) (laughs) 
this once never stabs, happens. <laughs> like I get, I get to even out. Maybe <laughs> I get why we have to do that now, sort of. But I'm also like, uh, kind of like takes away from Lauren's idol find with and and I, Angelina's last season was like hilariously weird with the ladder and the help, and then she's like, oh, but I found it. But like Lauren found the idol, like exactly as anybody else would find an idol. But we still got like ten minutes of lead up of like women can never do this. One of my funny, one of the funniest things though about that too is when I think it was Julie uh, was talking about, you know, why don't women find idols? You know, men are finding all the idols. And then Victoria goes, okay, so we should babysit more. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Well, listen, like, no, we have to do it. Well, Victoria, to be fair, has the total like teenage babysitter look down between the big glasses and the floppy wool hat. It seems like she's someone that your parents would invite over while they go out to the club on a Friday night. Like, can true. I can I ask a question that is often asked of Rob on like various like offshoot podcasts? Yes. Now that you're in the baby making game, uh, who on this season <laughs> are you most likely to have babysit your future child? Well, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, the baby making game might be it's definitely not the most awkward way I have <laughs> euphemistically approached this idea of having a child, uh, but it's definitely up there. Uh, but I, I would say that, oh, man, of this group, I mean, Ron Clark seems like somebody who my child would either get tired out by or just get tired of. So I feel like that's a win-win situation. <laughs> uh, I just because it feels like you wind him up and he just gets going for a couple of hours. And if, you know, they learn something along the way about the U.S. presidents, then that's just sort of a, a fringe benefit of having this man spend an evening in my household jumping on my tables. I was going to say, that sounds super creepy. <laughs> and that would be the thing that your kid learns to jump on tables, to do wacky dances, all the things you want your kids to learn. To be fair, my child is not necessarily going to have a great base level of normalcy as it is. So Ron Clark might be like, I don't know, a nice saltine cracker compared to whatever else I'm providing to him in his childhood. Don't discount Angela's influence as well. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. It, it takes two to parent. Uh, two to, two, two must play the baby making game. It is a partner sport. <laughs> so how often do you play mike <laughs> this is one dialogue i don't want to no. necessarily open <laughs> just let's not get into the bedroom let's stay in the right, thank you for having me and i will see you guys later let's stay in the you foyer of the bnb oh boy well you Allie. i brought up babysitting <laughs> Through the game of baby making. That I also mean, like, please. oh, yes, the game. The game is afoot. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, imagine if we have some of these players treat the game of baby making like the game of Survivor. I think it could, it could go, you know, very pear shaped or it can go really well, depending on, you know, who you choose to bet amongst these Survivor players. No. <laughs> Just no. Okay, let's talk about the episode. Yeah, let's let's talk about that as we make a hard line from the bedroom uh, back into camp proper. So we're only a couple episodes in, but Allie, what are your thoughts so far on this uh, radical change of a season? I love it. I mean, I, I agree with everything that's really been said about the season so far on the various outlets where it's like, eh, was I excited by this idea? No. Am I excited how it's playing out? Yes. I've gotten I think they've done a really good job of maybe it's more this season than other seasons or maybe I'm just paying more attention. Who can say? But I feel like I'm more invested in the early boots than I ever have been. And it has to be intentional because now I'm actually excited 
that Keith is potentially going to go to the edge. I'm calling it the edge, by the way. And oh, Reed's so going trendy. To, it's like the house. I'm Keith, but like the Keith OG. Uh, so Keith and Reem, like normally I don't really care about the first or second or third boot, but I think the edit's doing a really good job of getting me invested in these characters. So I want to see them on the edge. So I don't know. It was an instantly iconic moment to see, uh, Reem wrapped up in a sheet, like devastated. And I think, uh, the aforementioned Angela Bloom had the best tweet about it, which compared it to the little mermaid where she's like wearing a little thing. But I mean, that's great. Like, I'm happy to see that mix it up. Who knows how it will play out? But for the first few episodes, I'm on board. Yeah, I think that's the thing is who knows how it's going to play out? Because I've seen some people be like, oh, yeah, you know, the the twist's not that bad. And yeah, it's not that bad so far. But we haven't really seen all that much about it. I like your point, though, Allie, about the fact that the editing has to make you care a little bit more about the people who are getting voted out because their game doesn't end there. They're going to go to the edge and they're going to chill there at least for a little bit. And so you do get to see a little bit more of them, uh, which I think is interesting and something obviously that doesn't really happen. Because even with, you know, let's say a Redemption Island type deal, you know, they're still only there for maybe one episode or it's like one person that steamrolls if you're Christine. So um, I think that's interesting wrinkles of the editing. Yeah, I do think that one of the other benefits of having Edge of Extinction is that you don't necessarily need to dedicate a certain portion of time to the episode. Reem got what? 30 seconds at the beginning and then like 15 seconds at the end. She got the post credit stinger. And that's about it. As opposed to Redemption Island, when you have to show the person coming there, you have to show the Redemption Island challenge take place. And that eats Mm -hmm. up a good quarter of your episode time, depending on how long the challenge runs here. They're able to, you know, weave it in. If, If there's not a lot going on in Edge of Extinction that week, take it out. If there's a big brouhaha going on between (laughs) Keith and Reem, go ahead and make it the, the central focus. The, the main quibble I do have with these two episodes is I sort of wonder if we need to institute like a Bechtel test for Survivor Edge of Extinction, where it comes to when two people are in a scene and they're not talking about a returning player, that uh, should make our ears perk up a little the bit. The Bloomtel test. <laughs> yes, let's patent it. Let's put it out there. Uh, just because I do feel like while maybe this idea of the, the twist radically changing this season might not uh, necessarily be coming to, to that sort of uh, prophecy early on, I do think the returnees are a bit of an airtime suck right now. It feels like when they're not on screen, people are talking about them. And understandably, there there's a lot of story potential in there. Uh, but I, I do feel like it's been very, at least from a story perspective, very returnee focused in the past two episodes. To that point, I have a question for you guys. And this should have been my discussion topic, but it's not. So I'm just going to co-op like a returnee i'm gonna suck the time out and ask this question if you're on the show or you're a returner you're wentworth you're joe whatever um do you say yes to this season because it's good like i i at first last last week's episode this week's episode i was saying like i don't understand why wentworth said yes to this because this has to be her last time at least for a while and like you're just a sitting duck for everyone's attention to get you out. But to your point, they're getting all the airtime. So maybe it is the best possible situation. Hmm. 
I guess it also depends on kind of what your goal would be to return, you know, is your goal to win or is your goal to like hang out on Survivor and like have a great time or get airtime or whatever. Um, I think it's really interesting because, uh, yeah, it seems like the returning players, I think this was talked about on Know-It-Alls, are defined or the, the newbies are defined by their relationship to the returning players. Yeah. Um, and so if you are a returning player, you know, you have these newbies where it's like, OK, are they going to be? against me or are they going to be with me and we've seen situations in the past where it's played out both ways where being the only returning player on a tribe has been really good or it's been really bad if you're Russell Hans but I think more times it's been good so I feel like okay maybe there is an advantage to coming back and playing with mostly newbies I don't know maybe they I don't know if they knew that there was going to be other returning players there you know they'd be two per tribe I don't know if that would change anything but I could see the logic for why you might want to go on this season to try to win which yeah. makes oh sorry mike well i was gonna say if i'm someone who's getting a call and i was presented with two choices a la keith you know go on a season where it's partially returnees but also newbies or all returnees i take the former any day of the week because to liana's point there's some pretty good stats when it comes to i know per diem actually just put out a video about this about the quote-unquote captain situations that have happened over the course of survivor seasons that it's you're usually going to do pretty darn well unless you're Russell or unless your your name is Russell basically Russell Hans or <laughs> Russell Swan you're going to make the merge. The interesting thing is it seems like these four people are unfortunately paying the invoice for all the other successful returnees that came before them in that this really does seem like outside of the Zapatera tribe from Survivor Redemption Island this seems like the first group of newbies in quite some time that are thirsting for blood from these four returning players. I know some of them are sort of taking the leech strategy of I'm going to suck them, drive everything they know and then vote them off. But I mean, considering we have talk in episode two of getting rid of Kelly Wentworth, I feel like that's, that's atypical when it comes to this type of captain situation. I think it also comes down to like what level of threat you think you would be on an all returning season, like Joe Anglum, right? Like this is probably a better spot for him than an all returning season where people like Fishback are going to be gunning for him or even more so this time around. But like somebody like Wentworth, do you, I, I don't know. Like it seems like they're holding her out to be like the strategist we all know her to be. But I feel like she could still get lost in an all returning season in a good way. But maybe I'm undervaluing what returners think of her. And it would depend on who the other women are. But I, I do think it like bodes better for like a Boston Rob or a Joe than it does for like David or Kelly, who might be able to otherwise dissolve into the background of a returning season. But I'm probably very much underselling what returning players would think of them. Well, David is successfully blending in with all the newbies, apparently, because the fact that people are having discussions about like Wendy, oh, we have to get the returning players out. And then the camera pans out and David's right there. <laughs> One of my favorite editing moments. So good. <laughs> but the, the thing is, the weird thing is that he agrees with it. He's like, yeah, oh, no, I'm, I'm totally yeah. there with it, which is just he, like, I don't, I don't know if he's been brainwashed or if like he hit his hand on a coconut and now believes he's a one time player. Uh, this is his first time out. But that it's it's crazy that he's also like. He's sort of swung along with the idea as well. Yeah, that's his camouflage of trying to blend in. He's like, okay, if I just say that I've never played before, I'm on board with getting out the returnees. Well, I can't be a returnee because why would I be on board with getting myself out? Are you saying the animal in him is a chameleon? Yes, he should take the quiz. And I guarantee you, chameleon will be the top response. We should explain that I got baboon. And I explained that to you guys before we got on air. So like the intro of like lions and tigers and baboons, oh my. like. 
I did get the baboon personality. I just took this while we were, uh, you know, talking in the beginning of this about my sex life and other things. Uh, I got a sheep. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that how that happens? I got got a sheep, and I don't know how to feel about it. Oh, Oh, man. So a lion and a sheep host this podcast, (laughs) and we have a baboon as our guest this week. We just need to know what Brent gets, and then all the pieces will fit into place. Brent is one of those screaming goats. Oh my! What? <laughs> like one of the yelling goats, like from the you know the Taylor Swift song. Yeah, I'm, I'm bypassing thing. the quiz. I'm giving my own Kim Spradlin esque animal assignment right now. <laughs> I can see it. Oh boy! Well, let's let's move on here from our Doctor Doolittle shenanigans and get into some of our more tried and true measures of this episode. Wait, I'm sorry. I just love the fact that Ali explained something that happened like 15 minutes ago, <laughs> and I was like, I just need everybody to know this. And then I was like, okay, well, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're not for explanation here that. on the B and B. We're more so for throwing things out there and letting the people sort of chew on it and digest it and see where it takes them. Yes, much like a, a baboon. <laughs> we I didn't see that on the menu, on the advantage menu. <laughs> are baboons omnivores? No, they're herbivores. No, well, whatever. Who cares? This isn't an animal podcast, or is it? <laughs> it could be. It could be. Uh, we're not talking about the war dog this week, unfortunately, but we are talking about this week's boot, Keith. Uh, surprisingly blindsided, as was said many, many times over the course of that tribal council. So we're going to read off our preseason predictions, at least how we thought he would do before he got voted out. It's to be seen whether or not, you know, he goes to Extinction Island, which P.S., before we go into Keith, I mean, he's going to Extinction, right? Yeah. I mean, he has to. I would like to ask Keith that in an interview setting. Oh, perhaps we might have that opportunity. (laughs) I personally believe that if... If if he was going to quit, that would have been a much stronger ending, right? Like if you if you had the footage of him quitting the game, why would you not make mm-hmm. that at the end of the episode? Why would you instead make it a cliffhanger? So I feel like they they had to build some tension into it there somewhere since they knew he was going to extinction, so they put mm-hmm. in that cliffhanger. Well, the other thing too is if every single episode ends with the person going to the island, which I assume it will, because you know who's not going to go, um, that's going to get really boring and really repetitive. Because it's like, oh, yep, all right, they're going to the island. Yep, they're going to the island. So to have something a little different, I think, is also maybe why they did it. It's like Rob said, though, like they don't provide enough of an explanation. So it's sort of like to have a chance to get back in the game, go left. It's not like to starve and maybe die and see how long you can outlive everybody else. You know, like this is an unprecedented thing in Survivor. So for a Survivor fan, which Keith is like, make a left. Maybe you're playing Redemption Island. Like you don't know. So of Mm -hmm. course he's going to go left. If they gave you like the full, you know, the fine print, maybe then somebody would back out. Probably Mm -hmm. not, but at least like go see what it is. Yeah, for sure. So Liana, how did you feel? Keith was going to do preseason upon checking out all the interviews he gave before Edge of Extinction kicked off. Oh, man, I'm really kicking myself for this one. But I had. okay, all right, whatever. I'll just read it. All right. I had Keith making the merge. Poor sweet baby Keith. (laughs) Honestly, it was a miracle he made it this far and wasn't eaten up by the other players sooner. This is going to make any sense. Kelbry 
uh, Kelly and Aubrey were worried that the other women in the Praying Mantis Alliance would try to pull in <laughs> sweet baby Keith. To make wait, wait, did the Alliance take the quiz? Yeah. <laughs> praying mantises uh they eat men uh okay would try to pull in sweet baby keith to make a move against the remaining vets keith accepts his fate in the game and takes the vote out pretty well he didn't really do much during the season but he became a meme due to his lack of airtime oh so you predicted he would go the chelsea route i did yes well you were much more optimistic about keith than i yeah. was uh i had keith going pre-merge I did say he'd become the closest to the returnees on his tribe, but I said he gets targeted for his slight frame, and this time there's no Stephanie Johnson to talk up how he can fit in things. <laughs> and I said he'll publish a poem either on the show or on social media about his time out on the island, which I guess is, is yet to be determined, but I did notice he put out a YouTube video about one of his poems in the past couple of weeks. Oh. Okay, I didn't even know he wrote poems, but yeah, I think that, I think that was one of his uh, one of his like big hobbies that he likes to partake in. Ah, Do okay. I get to judge these? Oh yeah. Okay, so I once again took notes as I did the last time I was here, and here's my like you guys gave me a tough one. I know it's like the pre-merge post-merge, so Mr. Bloom thinks that he's going to win this, but <laughs> I feel like Mike, you took things that we know about him, like he has a slight frame. You saw that. I agree. That's true. And that he's a poet. Okay. That's true. Liana, while she didn't get the merge right, I still think it applies that it's a miracle he made it this far. I think calling him sweet baby Keith is accurate. And he did get tried to, he did get pulled in to try to get the vets out in the Wentworth vote. So I'm sort of like all the description was right on Liana's, but Mike's result was right. So. I think the the tipping point is going to take me to Liana only because I thought you were dead on in your superlative assessment of Keith when you gave him most likely to flip. And that's exactly what he did in the first episode. I was like, I think everything you were saying on the podcast about him and your preview ended up being right. So I'm going to add additional credit to break the tie. Yes, extra credit. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, is that I mean one of Ron's rules? I'll always give extra, give extra credit, credit when someone calls them poor sweet baby Keith. <laughs> yeah, you got to butter up people in order to get extra credit. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have brought somebody in who was currently like in school because I knew that they were going to judge us <laughs> by such a harsh rubric. Instead of like you said pre-merge, I'm going to give it to you. I'm the millennial judge. This is my first verdict. My first official verdict. <laughs> I think you're very fair, and I support your. <laughs> uh, I think it's only we should only do as nature intended and have the lion eat the sheep. Who's the who's the booker here? Is it Mike? Because then Mike won. <laughs> like who's uh, who's no, invite no, in charge no, no. of inviting me back? No, obviously uh, it's me. So uh, all right, all right, Allie down for next season. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, Allie, I know you said that uh, we have we've touched upon a number of discussion topics even before getting to your tried and true one that you brought to the table. But what do you have to talk about for this season or Survivor at large? That very much felt like the Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, Facebook show the red table talk. So you're like coming to the table. That's what they say. Anyway, um, watch it. It's great. Okay. Um, this is like a little bit more serious for me, but since I am able to jump on the line with uh, Liana and Mike and I, I want to bring this up. I tweeted about this um, and did not get any engagement with it besides like somebody like mansplaining to me my mistakes. I don't know. Whatever. No. Anyway, that didn't happen. Uh, 
seemingly Aubrey and David were cast as the same, like, quote unquote type, right? Like the weaker but smart strategic player. And, and this isn't necessarily what I agree with, right? But this has to be like their archetype. And seemingly Kelly and Joe were cast as the same type, like the brawny physical like person. Why are both women, despite their differing like archetypes, seemingly being the bigger targets on both tribes? Is it like the makeup of the tribe is just like unfortunate for them? Is it gender involved and women will always be seen as like weak or harder to get along with in the early game? And as I said on Twitter, riddle me that Mike and Liana. Well, I think in terms, first of all, for Joe and Aubrey, um, I think that, you know, Joe is perceived or he's not perceived as a strategic player. So and he's stronger. And so it sort of goes to in the early game of Survivor, you want to try to keep challenge strength. And I think that Aubrey isn't seen as a physical asset to the tribe. And that's what, you know, for better or for worse, that's what people seem to value in the early goings of Survivor. And the fact that she's also known to be a strategist, that is, I mean, then that's, you know, that's why also on top of it, she's being targeted. On the flip side, the Kelly-David thing is really interesting, especially this whole fact that, like, David is apparently not a returning player. Like, that's what I keep going on, because he is not the strongest in challenges. I have seen many a montage of him trying to get that ball on that floating, like, platform and he listen just listen he, that that looks like michael phelps compared to what keith's been doing so <laughs> that's true that's true well yeah poor sweet baby keith um so like that's what's most interesting to me is the fact that you're not going to keep kelly or like you know kelly's the one who's going to be targeted but david is not whereas he comes off you know he and the perception of him is that he is more strategic so i don't i, I don't can't necessarily explain that one I think that on that note, there also might be something gendered when it comes to making relationships. I'm looking particularly at the Aubrey versus David thing, and at least the edit this episode made Aubrey socializing come across as very hollow. It did not stay and that we really see the exact same conversation that Aubrey's having with three different people to show how she's essentially going through her index cards of things to say in order to get someone on your side. And I feel like there have been players who've been able to do that before, and it's been shown as a highlight. In this particular instance, it's been shown as a negative. And maybe that's because they're trying to just build out the story of this is why Aubrey gets targeted early on is because nobody trusts her because she gives everyone the same spiel. But I do think it's interesting that maybe if another contestant, maybe if someone like Wendell had been doing the same type of strategy, that could be lauded. Whereas here it's portrayed as, oh, Aubrey's, you know, giving the exact same pitch to everybody. That's not good. Which, as you said, like, how much of that is the result? Is it that it's not working on Victoria and Julia, et cetera, um, that it's, you know, like, I think this has been talked about. But when you watch it in like a jump cut, it looks obviously terrible. But if somebody's like, it's almost like. She's damned if she does. She's damned if she doesn't. Like, she's trying to make these connections. If somebody were receptive to working with her, it would probably work. Yes, if somebody checks your story on making all of these deals, you get screwed. Um, and I think, like, the perception, the edit of the show is because, like, it didn't work on Julia and Victoria for whatever reason. Maybe it's because they already decided they don't want to work with Aubrey, which it kind of seemed to me like that. Or maybe it's because as a result of her shifty deal making. But I just think it's interesting that the same archetypes of different genders are having like different roads um, 
on the show. Like what Liana, what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me that like, yes, of course, Joe would stick around as like the meat shield and the strength on the tribe. Whereas you would target the more strategic player early on. But then like what, as we've talked about, like why doesn't that happen on the flip side? Well, maybe it's Aubrey sinking her own ship. Well, I also wonder if it has something to do with the fact of which tribe is going to tribal council because Aubrey clearly is getting a little antsy. But if Mm. if Manu had been going to tribal council, you know, it's entirely possible that we could have seen, you know, her like all the newbies are scared. They're going to tribal. They don't know what's going on. Oh, here's someone who wants to work with me, who says that I remind me of them. I'm scared. And then she becomes like a better option because she's actually reaching out to you. Um, And then on the flip side, you could see David being targeted because the only reason why Kelly really gets targeted is because of, you know, one, they have to go to tribal, but also because of Wendy really trying to like make something happen when Reem, uh, her ally was voted out. So if they are not having to go, then maybe David's the one who's getting nervous and trying to make connections. And then they start to target him. Whereas Kelly's like, Hey, I'm Kelly. I'm hanging out. And you know, she's seen as an asset to the tribe. So I wonder if that also could play a role in how the players are being treated. It is interesting also to see who's targeting whom. So like Eric, like the stronger men on Kelly's tribe are going for Kelly. Whereas like the Victoria and Julia, like women are targeting Aubrey. So maybe it is that people are just going after who they're most like threatened by based on their own skill set. And I guess it also depends on like who they're hovering around as well. Cause yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You, it really does seem like everyone on the Manu tribe, with the exception of Lauren wants to get rid of Kelly Wentworth. But it's just a matter of timing. And that's so interesting. And maybe it speaks towards how to how meta Survivor has gone as well, where I think people, especially this cast, is full of a group of at least pretty cogent fans that they're all mapping out. Okay, here's when the switch is probably going to happen. Here's when the merge is probably going to happen. That I feel like they've probably pinpointed a time that is the perfect opportunity to get rid of someone like Kelly. But I just find it interesting that I think the war dog laid out a great argument here to Chris, as much as it stymied this idea of a Wentworth blindside of him basically saying like, we all want to get rid of her. Eventually. She's not going to slip through the cracks again. Let's let's make, make sure our shot is taken at Keith this time. She is firmly in our crosshairs for the rest of the season. Well, and isn't that probably the same logic that's being used about Joe, right? Okay, right. yeah, he's a threat. He's not going to be able to make it past a certain point, but we need him right now, you know, or we need him as a shield right now. So I guess, you know, now I can start to see some parallels if we say that Kelly and Joe, let's say, are the same archetype and David and Aubrey are. Um, maybe there is, and maybe it just has to do with which tribe is going to tribal. I don't know. I, I do love, by the way, there was so much great stuff about the the comma kumbaya stuff but i just love aubrey's like cut to her saying i i hate this kumbaya shit basically (laughs) and saying like i love to go to tribal council first because i think it was steven who said it before that there is strategic advantage of going to tribal council first yes you're eliminating a member of your tribe but at the same time you're able to turn to someone and say you voted with me therefore i know i can trust you Right now, everyone's just sort of circling each other standoff style in the Kama tribe, or no one really knows where anyone stands. They know that, you know, who's a good dancer and they know who's good at eating celery, but I don't think they necessarily know who's going to be with who until the votes come in. (laughs) Which I have to jump in on the celery point again. I tweeted this, but like I was always told, and maybe it's because I'm like a hashtag woman. But that like celery burns more calories eating it than it gives you. So like, isn't that the absolute worst thing to eat on Survivor? Or am I just been like lied to by like Cosmo magazine? 
Okay, first of all, I'm so happy that we're talking about this because I also had <laughs> celery in my notes because for some reason it stood out to me. Um, I don't know if that's true. I think it is, though, because essentially what happens is, you know, it takes energy to digest the food that you eat. And so most of the time, the food that you're digesting gives you more energy than it would take to just simply digest the food. But I think for celery, you expend more energy simply digesting. So, yes, it would be a terrible food to eat on Survivor. Tell that so to Kimmy Kappenberg. Are you saying that Jeff should not have offered a choice between spices, fishing gear, or a nice crudite platter? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, we have celery and kale <laughs> and all the foods that people want. I want to again offer a clarification that that was not like a read on Kimmy Kappenberg for anyone who hasn't listened to that podcast that like she was talking about foods that are bad on Survivor. Okay, <laughs> it was not, not like a lie. tell Kimmy. That was, that was super useful. I bought bananas then like a couple days later and was like, oh man, I can't bruise them. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know if you saw it in one of the Manu scenes. There are flies already over that marooning food. See? The, sh- the shelf life, like they, Reem should have like, I don't know, smuggled a bunch of pineapples away or something. I don't, I knew she knew she was, and she knew, obviously did not know she'd be edging anytime soon. But, you know, I, I feel like there was so much that was going to spoil very quickly. I feel like there's a good representation of the Manu tribe. Just, they started off pretty strong, but they're just <laughs> rotting away extremely quickly. <laughs> what a night <laughs> still a great night well let's let's move in here to uh our first game of the podcast it's called survivor edge of extinction by the numbers so as we talked about a bit with the aubrey scene in terms of her making relationships there was a lot of repetition in this episode uh, a lot of repetition there was a lot of repetition in episode two of Survivor Edge of wait, Extinction. Wait, what was there? <laughs> a lot of repetition. Okay. So I figured what I would do is as I watched the episode, uh, I took down a few numbers of things that happened multiple times over the course of episode two. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you both a question. The answer to which is a number. You are each going to write down a number. We'll use the honor system here. So hopefully Wait, can I go get a post-it note? Go, you go get a post-it note. <laughs> okay, be right back. <laughs> As Ellie gets a post-it note, I'll explain this to Liana and the audience at home. So, uh, I'm going to give a question, the answer to which is a number. You're each going to write down that number oh honor God. system. So hopefully don't, don't you know, change your number once you see no cheating. Johnny Fairplay would not like that. Keep the partitions up. And then, when I reveal the number... Uh, however many num- how ma- however much you're off by, I'll add that to your score. And the person who has the lowest score at the end of the game ends up winning here. So you want to make sure your guesses are the closest to what the actual number is. Now, huh. is it without going over? I, I did run to get paper while you explained the rules, which nope. was not smart. That's okay. fine. You'll, you'll, it'll be a surprise at the end for you then how people win. Just I'll read Great. the question. You think you write down what you think the number is. That's all there is to it. All right, I'm so glad we opened up this dialogue. <laughs> I really feel myself in you. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's... Oh, let's, oh boy. Oh, I should no. not have said that. This is what <laughs> happens when we get into lurid topics to start the podcast. <laughs> I didn't enjoy that, just for uh, the record. See, this is why Aubrey's getting targeted. Uh, all right, so <laughs> first That's question far. here. You're each going to write down a number. So we saw Ron Clark hitting up the dance floor here on Comma. So if I count a dance move as one beat of movement, how many (laughs) dance moves did we see Ron Clark perform in this episode? 
So you're just going to write down a number. Let me know when you when you've locked it in. How many dance moves did Ron Clark perform in this episode? Liana, I need a number. I'm just trying to do my Julie impression. <laughs> I need a number. Okay, I'm locked in. All right, I have a number. I okay, yeah. Liana, what did you say? Uh, fifteen. Okay, Allie. I went conservative. I said five. <laughs> uh, well, it was thirty-three movements. <laughs> So this game is off to a rousing start. Oh, God. How do I come back from this? I gotta turn, start All right, so I'm adding swings. 18 points to Liana's and 28 points to Atlee's score. Again, you want to aim low here. Let's see if we can move on, dance our way into the next question here. We mentioned the Aubrey stuff beforehand. How many times did Aubrey say the word dialogue? Okay, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. What do you think, Allie? I said 12. Okay, Liana? <laughs> Uh-oh, uh, I said four. Liana is the closest. Aubrey only said it three times. No. Yeah, it was, it was only in those conversations that she had with, I believe it was Jeff. Victoria, <laughs> Julia, and Gavin. Okay, I was going to say 10, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. Fine. Let's cut See, but this is unfair because you guys do a close watching because you're doing a podcast. I have like, you know, people over. There may or may not be some uh, wine happening. So I wasn't doing that close to watching. You should have invited Rain Man over, Allie. Damn it. Okay. All For right. your next watch party. Yes, please invite Rain Man to your next watch party. All right. Next. I'm a baboon. I'm nearly. I'm neither handsome nor plain. I'm. I'm coming up short here. Yeah. Plus, counting like numbers aren't really your thing, right? You only care about stuff if it's uh, creative. I think. Yeah, I think that was right. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Idol hunting here. You're getting a bad review on the B and B. Oh boy. <laughs> it's Mike's fault. <laughs> so we we talked about before Lauren finding the hidden immunity idol. Uh, which only took less than two minutes, the entire segment. But in that segment, how many times does she say the word idol or idols? Goddamn. Um, Just Lauren. Just Lauren. I mean, I have no idea. Who could know this? Okay. Uh, Okay. The one. I'm not locked. I'm just giving up. All right. I'm locked. Whatever. I'm making it up. All right. right, What'd you say? I said 10. Okay. Allie. I said six, and I'm going to go home. <laughs> Please don't go home. We'd love to have you stay. Uh, you were both in the range. The correct answer was nine. Lauren really crammed <sighs> in the idol references, saying nine times during her search. Man, could have been six, nine. If only I had gone. I mean, Allie this. did say six, so yeah. I know. Could... If only I'd said nine. So she's the true winner. Let's end the game right here. Uh, <laughs> Bonus or... points for Allie. <laughs> oh, I don't want to be. I don't need to be pandered to the lion and sheep. I hold my own. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because you're quick-witted and amusing. <laughs> we were like, what the hell is happening? I love the yeah, we're just, yeah, just to be fair, this is not us just dressing down Allie's personality types. This is all from the baboon <laughs> analysis on whatanimalareyou.com. Wait, did you have more? Or are you just stopping it because I was being a poor sport? I was no, like I throwing my I feces. Don't stop it on my account. I just all think right. it's fun to like be upset when you're losing. <laughs> all right, we're going we're gonna to keep going with this then. So prior to Lauren actually finding the idol, we spent a little less than two and a half minutes at comma as they search for the idol. How many times in that segment is the word and Manu as well in that portion of time? How many times is the word idol or idol said there? 
So if if Lauren said idol nine times on her own, how many times did Kama and Manu say idols? Can we ask a question? Sure. Okay, how long were those segments? Uh, Those segments, they ended up being about two and a half minutes long combined. All of it was about two and a half minutes? So Lauren's segment was two and a half minutes and this one was two and a half minutes? Lauren's was a little less than two minutes, but yeah, pretty much balanced out. Because remember that she had to give the big Shaquilla about how much she loves Kelly Wentworth, and we had the whole sepia tone flashback. Yeah, okay. All right, I got it. I got a number. All right, yeah, Allie, let's to. toss it to you first. Uh, how many How many idols do you predict? I feel like you're tricking me, so I'm going to also say nine. All right, Ooh. Liana? <laughs> I, I, okay, I said 20. Ooh, it, the correct answer was 15 Ooh, times. Liana, you have an eye for this, an ear for it, an ear and an eye. You have many body parts for this, Liana. <laughs> Thank you. I, in fact, have a whole body that helps me do this <laughs> quiz. But thank you. Speaking of what people exerted their bodies with during the immunity challenge, we talked about Jeff's new buzzword of snake. How many times do you think Jeff said the word oh snake in the immunity <laughs> challenge, including when he was describing the challenge itself? It was a lot. Okay. Well, I don't know if it was a lot. It felt like a lot. Okay. I locked in my answer. I have my answer as well. All right. What do you think, Liana? Yeah, I said 30. All right. Allie? I said a mere 21 times. Uh, Allie was closer. Only 15 times. Only uh, 15 times Jeff said snake. <laughs> but Ron did 33 dance moves. I want to yep. recount on the yes. Ron dance moves. Well, it's per beat. So he had like at least five in just that first little. So you're saying if he like moves his elbows up, that's one. He moves them down. That's two. I, I Listen, if you want to quibble, take it up with Paul <laughs> Oselson. He was the one who wrote this quiz. <laughs> I will take it up with Paul Oselson. Considering that Ron did a reprise at the end as well, an encore of the comma dance, I feel like that makes sense. The five was low. I was clearly not watching the episode. It's because you were dancing along with him, Allie. We know it. I was more like, ooh, that's not a great look for Aubrey or Ron. Ooh. Uh, Yes. So for the snake personality, this is part of the description. Without arms, wings, or flippers, (laughs) they are forced to slink through life in a solitary quest for warmth and acceptance. Wow. That's so so sad. Shy and insecure, they must keep a low profile to avoid the disapproving glances and teasings of others. That kind of sounds like Keith. (laughs) oh poor sweet baby keith (laughs) which is why he stayed so far i don't know if you noticed he started stayed far away from touching that snake in the immunity challenge oh my god i love when he he got hit by it without him okay he climbed up the the cage thing without even helping with the snake one of my favorite moments but my absolute favorite moment was him just like rolling in the sand next to the snake like he had become the snake. Right, exactly. When he seeks higher ground, as you're mentioning, it's like he clearly just like couldn't be in the water anymore. But then, as if in a nightmare, the snake just clobbers him in the water. I was like very concerned for him. That's that that is one part I did do a close watch on. I was like, he's drowning. Well, no one does, cared. It does say, as a child, the snake's small frame was no defense against taunts of playground bullies See? or other giant snakes apparently. Oh, did Mike just win the the I think I think I deserve some extra credit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Figuring out what animal Keith is. <laughs> I think I might do that actually for for season 39 if hopefully we're coming back for season 39 but maybe I'll just make make everyone an animal. 
I think that's great. Yeah. What the the what animal are you personality test is really, <laughs> truly what will, you know, cap off your predictions. Well, we still have a few more numbers to go through here. So we're going to stick into the immunity challenge because even though the snake dragged Manu back, there was still some time to uh, make up some time at the ring toss. Maybe that's another reason why Keith didn't do well is because snakes don't have arms to toss rings. But and in the immunity challenge, we saw Kama throw <laughs> exactly eight tosses to win. Joe threw four, Eric threw four. Between Chris and Keith, how many shots, both successful <laughs> and unsuccessful, did we see Manu make in the immunity challenge during the ring toss? So we're combining both successful and unsuccessful. The number of times that the ring went out of those gentlemen's hands. <laughs> okay, I have a number. Oh, I want to change mine. Okay. I, I think mine's too high because they were at the rings later, right? I'm going to say 14, but I think that's high. Oh, okay. I said six, I said 16. So I had 17. I changed it to 14. Uh, you were right to trust your second instinct, Allie. They only tossed 10 times. Okay. Uh, I mean, they, only, they did end up getting six, so it still was more than combo. It seemed to be like perfect throws going on, but yeah, only 10 between them despite the big you know, the big to-do around Keith completely biffing the rings. Hmm. But how many dance beats did they throw <laughs> the ring. rings on? Yeah, that's that's one toss for every three beats, three right. Clark beats. It's a good, it's a good ratio. Oh, that's how we count time. Set the metronome, boys. <laughs> All right, next question here. How many times was the word blindside said at Tribal Council? Oh, by Jeff included? By Jeff included. Jeff and the contestants. God, no idea. Okay. All right. Sure. I feel like I'm going to get dialogued again here. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say 16 because I didn't want to write down another number. Okay. <laughs> Liana? Or Alex? I said five. <laughs> oh, uh, it, girl. It was 13. Lucky number uh. 13 times the word blindside was said. Uh, basically got racked up when... Jeff basically just went round robin and everyone said that a blind side was coming. So that's sort of just kicked yeah. up I forgot if he only talked to Kelly and Keith and I knew he said it and then I added two for good measure. I thought it was the dialogue thing again because I could have sworn the dialogue was said 16 times. Well, it would see that was but that was by Aubrey. Not totally. Yeah, that would have really. Mm. So. You just got blindsided Paul? by that question. I'm going to call Paul. <laughs> All right. So. To finish things off, so Keith says either dang or dang it five times upon leaving Tribal Council. That's it? I would have said yeah, 60. Say <laughs> but how many times does he say either God or Jesus? <laughs> As in, oh God, or God, or come on God, or come on Jesus, as he's uh, faced <laughs> with the edge that. of extinction. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I got a. I know it sounds like he's at Jesus. the track, and there's two horses named God and Jesus that he put all his oh. money on. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, I'm gonna say. <laughs> are you locked in, Liana? Yeah, I'm locked in. I'm gonna say ten. Oh, okay. I only said five. <laughs> oh, Allie was very close. Eleven times. Ooh. Man, I thought he said dang more than that. So I was like, ah, it's a trick question. Now, can I ask a question? Was he doing the Davy like? Asking the Lord to send a sign via the fire, like which way the fire I, I blows. Be I believe so, because I'm pretty sure I, I think he said 
I did take such studious notes about his preseason that apparently I just copied them into my predictions, according to Ali. <laughs> but I believe he, he did say something along the lines of like his faith will guide him in the decision he makes. So I feel like faced with a literal fork in the road like this, he would turn to a higher power. Mm, yeah, uh, I wonder. Uh, I wonder if the fire will point him in the right direction. Although, to be fair, the torch is already on the other <laughs> side. Yeah, I was gonna say fire is sort of biased so. already. <laughs> well, congratulations! It actually turned out to be a bit closer in the back half there. But Liana, you were able to edge out Ali and take the victory here in Survivor episode two by the numbers. Now, could someone guess, Liana? Guess how many uh, points you beat me by? Guess. Let's guess the margin. That's right. Uh, okay, let's see. I had a lead of 10 at the beginning, and then I totally lost count. So I'm going to say I beat you by 15. I had 20. Uh, uh, Liana was was the more conservative choice. <laughs> yeah. It was correct. Uh, you started with t- with a 10-point gap. You ended with a 10-point gap. Very full huh. circle. Wow. So we nice. didn't even have to do that. Uh, <laughs> that's the, that's the subtitle of the B&B. We didn't have to do that. <laughs> we didn't have to do that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, but then how would we listen to the great theme song? You guys do have the greatest theme song in all of RGP. Yeah, it's pretty good. I, yeah. I find myself humming it quite frequently. That's yeah, all. Will, that's all. Good. Will from America. Yeah. Well, they're all Will from America, right? So then it's just grading him against himself. <laughs> Besides, I guess know it alls. But I think you guys edge them out. Mm. No offense to the neon plastic trees. Yeah, you're going to edge know it all theme. (laughs) We survived. It's the edge. It's the edge. Oh, so I can't. Is it like the Facebook? We're going to edge. Yeah, well, it's like the war dog. Or the house. Okay, we have to go to. Oh, I see. So it's it's a noun. Edge. The edge. Okay. All right. Well, we're okay. not doing Mad Libs this week, so don't worry. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's go on. I want to talk about my question, and I want to bring back something that we did in our first episode, which was the Ron Clark rule of the week. So uh, we are going to set a rule for every episode, um, and we'll have 69 rules by the end. So rule number 56. So Ron Clark has 155 rules. We came up with rule 56 last week and Josh Wiggler helped us. Wait, come 155? Up with... No, just 55. <laughs> One through 55. Numbers are hard. Okay, Mike, you got me. I don't know. I, I just numbers. threw a bunch of numbers at you for the past like 20 minutes. So I understand oh if you're God. a bit jumbled. Like 15, 4, 30, you know. So, okay, here we are. We have rule number 56, which is Ream Daily. <laughs> So what is going to be rule number 57? What did we learn from this episode? So I have a couple of suggestions, but I'm very much open. So one is if you hate Kumbaya Survivor, be sure to play along. Or even if you hate Kumbaya Survivor, be sure to play along. Dance before challenges or speak softly and carry a big snake. Which is also (laughs) my Chris Underwood rule number 69 based on that gift that's going around. So anyway, what do we think should be the Ron Clark rule of the week? Oh, boy. Well, I I do want to speak about that Chris Underwood gift because, I mean, not since Dr. Marcus has there been such prominent peen on the screen. Was the rhyme intentional? Was that part of Keith's poem? That That's Keith's poem. It's called, yeah, it's called Screen Peen. Uh, it's coming soon to YouTube. Uh, YouTube Red. Uh, I, so I'm going to do a takeoff on the dance rule that you came up with. How about dance like the other tribes watching? I like that one. I don't really know if that's what we learned from this episode, but I still like it. I have something similar, a, a similar twist. 
on what you just said, Mike, which is dance like a modest yet strong for network reality television segment of the population is tuning in. I like that one. It might be a little wordy if I'm being honest there, but I think that it really goes with Reem Daily as our first rule. And then our second rule is what was it? Dance like moderate. (laughs) I, I, from the options uh, given, I liked your third option. The speak softly and carry a big snake. <laughs> I, I like that one too. <laughs> you don't carry the snake. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So is it dance like the other tribe's watching or dance like the other tribe isn't watching? Aren't well, you supposed if- to dance like no one's watching? Yeah, but if the other tribe is watching, you want to celebrate, right? And that's why he came up with this weird booty shaken victory dance that ends up not coming to fruition. Maybe it's because they were so exhausted by the end of that challenge. Also, I feel like pre-merge, that's the wrong thing to do is like the, you know, the Tony Vlacos over celebration. Mm. Well, how about how about this to Allie's to maybe shorten Allie's point that she made beforehand. Dance like the casuals are watching. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so we have either dance like the casuals are watching or speak softly and carry a big snake are sort of the two suggestions. I'm going to have a strong preference either way. I feel like we've workshopped so much of the dance one that now I don't want to kill it off. Uh, okay. I'm not loyal to it. I like the big snake. So I think it should go to you, Liana, right? This is your topic. That's true. Okay. I, you know what? I think we also learned something from David Wright about speaking softly and carrying a big snake. The fact that he, you know, was willing to listen to Wendy, didn't really speak out. He, for some reason, is still not a target, which I don't quite understand. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that he speaks softly. So. I'm going to go with that one for rule number 57. Speak softly and carry a big snake. And somewhere Bryce Isaiah out of nowhere just screamed yes at the top of his lungs for no particular reason. <laughs> yeah. No reason at all. No reason. It's uh, just a premonition. Okay. Cool. Awesome. I'm excited. This is going to be a great list of rules by the end of the season. Yeah. If we Considering that this is 56, I can't imagine what 69 is going to be in terms of just pure uh, sexuality. <laughs> well, you, you know, I blame Allie for that one again at the start of the podcast. It's really hard to get me off that track once we get me there. So, uh, all right, let's move on and let's get to our next activity. So I was inspired by all of the idol hunting that was done this episode. So I wrote a choose your own adventure book that we are going to play through and it's titled Idol Search Party. Oh, I so, know this one. I want to bury my dad. Ah, uh, and which uh, cereal would you like to eat before? Oh, I, I would like to eat the Frosted Flakes as I chop up my father and put him in the bathtub. Okay, spoiler alert. Uh, thank you, Mike, uh, talking about the Black Mirror episode Bandersnatch. So, Choose Your Own Adventure books are so much fun. I read them a lot as a kid, where essentially you read the story, there are a number of different outcomes, and you get to be an active participant in the story. So that's how it's going to work. The two of you are going to be active participants in the story. You're going to have to come to a consensus about what you want to do, um, but then we will play through your Choose Your Own Adventure and find out what happens to you during the idle search party. Okay, so Allie and I are functioning as one person here? Yes, you are. So you're going to have to come to consensus decisions. Walk a mile in my moccasins, Mike Bloom. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) You guys, the games are next level this season. Uh, This this one is intense. I have a diagram (laughs) of all of the options of things that happen. I spent uh, too much time on this. Okay, so (laughs) let's do it anyway. Welcome to Survivor. 
You are competing on Season 38, Edge of Extinction, and are on the Manu Tribe. Reem was voted out last night, and you're back at camp with your tribe mates. Big Windy is on the outs, so Kelly Wentworth suggests idol hunting as a group to prevent Windy from finding the idol. How do you respond? A. That's a good idea. Idol hunting as a group totally makes sense. Or B. <laughs> no way Windy's going to find the idol. Plus, I still need to get my clothes that Reem left out on the beach. This I mean, feels like the survivor computer game that I used to play. Yes. Which, which uh, <laughs> one did you play? Was it the was it the Australian Outback? Yes, one? I played the Australian Outback one. Oh, my God. I love that because I had like camp life where you spent like five minutes just running around <laughs> getting water from a river. <laughs> it was it was true, like old school survivor to a T. And I was obsessed with Colby Donaldson. So I was always Jerry, even though I think I mis misunderstood. I don't, fair, know if I don't know if you were player. Jerry or like the faceless sin yeah, I don't think you could pick a player. Jerry yeah. But I, could you pick a player or was I like on the tribe with them as no, just I, like a random person? I think you could pick a person. But again, like they all uh, they all look completely. <laughs> the worst is uh, my wife got me the Wii. My wife. My wife got me the Wii <laughs> game of Survivor for my birthday a few years back. And what? And it has names like Tom and Rupert and Colby. But they look nothing like it. It's like they gave these—I don't know—they gave this, these names to the concept artists and said, "Trump, what do you think a person named Tom would look like?" And that's when what can they I did. come over and play this? Like, I want to play this so bad. Oh, it's horrible. It's even yes. In, yes. Instead of spending five minutes at the river, you spend five minutes furiously paddling your Wiimotes to get your raft down a river. Liana, see how Mike was just like, I don't want to hang out with you, so I'm going to say this amazing game is terrible. No, you come over anytime and we are playing this. And I will see if I can get the second game as well, the one that has all the weird Flash games on it. To We can have a whole Survivor game, Survivor Land party. This is, is this, incredible. Is this new or is this something that was just repurposed for the Wii? I had uh, no this, idea this, this existed. This came out in like 2010, I think. Oh, man. All right. I got some shit to buy on eBay. <laughs> All okay, right. well, I didn't code any game for y'all to play. Instead, <laughs> I wrote a shitty little story, and y'all are going to play it, okay? So make a choice. Mike, what's your gut instinct? I have a gut instinct, but... So I, whoa, I mean, yours? here's the thing. Knowing us, we would say A, but we would say A sarcastically. No, see, I 100% went with B. But yeah, but even Liana wrote it sarcastically, which makes it tempting, right? Because she's oh, like, oh, I don't oh, sure. great. <laughs> I couldn't help it. But even honestly, and this is so bad, but as I was watching the episode, I was like, isn't this what we just got hit over the head with that women don't find idols? Like, why are we now suddenly worried that Wendy's going to suddenly come up with an idol? I don't believe that. But I'm just saying the show's force it down my throat. What All do you right, want okay. to say, Mike? I'll leave I it to you. The decision. I mean, be would be good because I feel like our treasured moccasins have been left um, by the wayside by Reem. They might have been washed out to shore a la Jacob Derwin. I don't want to alienate ourselves from the group too much. Should we just go with A and see where it takes us? Here's my last proposal for B, although I know for the sake of time I should have been like, yeah, let's do it. My last thing for B is like, I kind of want to do what didn't happen on the show so that we see more of what Liana made up. That's true. You know what? Let's let's uh, make sure we expose Liana's prolific narrative <laughs> writing. Let's let's lock B in. Oh god. Okay. All right. So, we're going with B. So, there's a bunch of these written. Okay. Kelly looks at you suspiciously while munching on celery, but agrees with your point. <laughs> After the group conversation, you turn to walk towards the beach to grab your sandy, albeit dry, clothes. As you're picking up the clothes, you think to yourself, hmm, maybe I should go find the idol for myself. Do Ooh. you? 
A, turn towards the jungle to go find the idol. Or B, decide to not make waves and keep collecting the clothes. Hmm. Mike, I think if you make this decision, we'll find the idol. I feel like, well, I feel like we're not going to find the idol if we just do nothing. Uh, and maybe if we pick A, we could be like, oh, I changed my mind. I want to come back and say that, again, as non-sarcastically as possible, as Kelly suspiciously munches on her celery like a cigar. Uh, so, so maybe we turn back to the jungle. We have a change of heart after we picked up our clothes and decided to, to actually start looking for the idol on our own. This is why men find idols. Let's go with A. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because, yeah. The other option, I'm going to read the other option because it's a dead end. Uh, uh, so let's say, for just for the, the entertainment, because I wrote this. Okay, so let's say you decide to not make waves and keep collecting the clothes. This is what would happen. As you continue picking up clothes, a big wave comes out of nowhere. The wave hits you hard and the tide is too strong. You are swept out to sea. <laughs> I should have gone looking. <laughs> I should have gone looking for the idol, especially considering this episode is titled Idol Search Party. You blub as the darkness of the <laughs> ocean consumes you for all eternity. Your idol adventure ends here. Mike, you, you just saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> saved my life. Yeah. Although I would have given you the option to go back because, yes, it does end in death. Oh my <laughs> god! This Thank is god amazing. We trudge is- towards the jungle. Those choose-your-adventure ones are crazy. Okay, so like, says the person who wrote it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Wow, this was so crazy. So, I didn't realize just, the stakes were so high. <laughs> you barely escaped death. So. Oh my god! But good news, you turn towards the jungle to go find the idol. But now I'm scared that, like, Final Destination style, the Grim Reaper is hanging over my head. Of like, I was not meant <laughs> to, to go to go into the jungle. I was meant to get swept out to the ocean. No, it's okay. You really, you chose that. I was just reading what would have happened otherwise, but you made the correct call because go you deciding to look for that idol. You walk into the jungle and start looking around. Suddenly you can see big Wendy's head sticking out over some bushes and it looks like she might be coming to talk to you. Do you a keep walking towards big Wendy and let her approach you or B turn and walk the other direction? (laughs) I kind of want to do B just to be an asshole. Let's do B. That was my instinct too. B it is. I was going to go with like C, throw throw something at her head. (laughs) Okay, B. Talk to Wendy. Not today, Satan. You do a quick about face. Not I. Not I. You do a quick about face and start heading in the opposite direction to the jungle. As you keep walking, you start to hear some noises coming from the south. Do you... A, focus on finding the idol, or B, investigate the noises to the south. Hmm. Oh, boy. Well, I'm, now I'm scared knowing that I could die. That B would lead me to, like, I don't know, a rabid wart dog, warthog uh, that would attack me. So I'm not sure. What do you think, Allie? Yeah, I wanted to go A. I feel like, Mike, we've gotten in the same uh, set of slippers here. Yeah, let's go with A. But I'm just curious, was, was B a dead end? No, B was not a dead end. Okay. Okay, we can can potentially explore the noises to the south uh, at the end. Okay, so you decide to focus on finding the idol. As you walk through the jungle, you see a very odd-looking tree. It has an elaborate root structure around the bottom, as well as a few tree knots that could hold an idol or two. Do you, A, climb the tree to reach the tree knots, B, root your hand around the roots of the tree, or C, ignore the tree and keep walking? 
There's no ladder that mysteriously appears like under some vines that I, guess I could the, use. The tree is nature's ladder. <laughs> yeah, the branches are nature's ladder. So I feel like as Kelly and Lauren talked about in this episode, like usually it's only buried a few feet into the ground. So I feel like the roots are where we want to stay. Yeah, like Jimmy Fallon, I'd like to stick with the roots. Okay. So we are going to root hand around the tree. A scorpion bites us and we die. Yep. <laughs> Guys, <okay>. you <laughs> crouch you crouch down and begin to root around the base of the tree. Your hand touches something that doesn't feel like tree bark. Oh Could no. Could it be an idol? <laughs> Could it be an idol? You grip the object, but unfortunately for you, you didn't grab an idol. You just squeezed a real life sun aka the tree it bites you and you get medevac for being bitten by a venomous snake sadly your idle adventure ends here keith what were you doing there <laughs> that's right and it ended with a medevac that was the end of your game oh no now if you die is that considered a medevac or a quit um, yeah you, you quit life like in the first in the first instance like, we're proudly medevaced in the second instance, and we're like, no, but I would lose my hand for this game. And then the doctor comes out, and like, we're a hero, and we're Papa, right. we'll never be seen or heard from again. Yeah. And something will come across the screen like, Mike and Allie were fine, and nothing bad happened to them. But if we die, is that a quit? Mm, I think they just wouldn't include it on the show. Like, you'd just be completely, like, they wouldn't even talk about you. You would be <laughs> photoshopped out of all the pictures and all that stuff. Because, you know, it's all a conspiracy theory, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. So, uh, can we, since we have a little bit of time, uh, let's say we kept our hand on the page that said, go to the South and investigate the noises. Because that's what, we, we all did that with Choose Your Own Adventure books, just in case it led to us getting a venomous snake bite. Uh, can can we go back to investigating those noises to the south? Because now I'm really intrigued by them. Yeah, let's investigate the noises. Okay. You continue walking towards the noises and can see faint outlines of what appears to be Rick Devins and David Wright up ahead. You slowly start to crouch down so you can hear them speaking. And faintly, you hear, I feel comfortable with you. I want to get with the big guys. Just kind of <laughs> slip through. Did they get dental work? <laughs> Shut up, Mike. You're having trouble making out the rest of their conversation. The only way you can really hear what they're talking about is to approach David and Devons. A, do you uh, approach them to see what they're saying? Or David and Devons sound like they're having a personal moment and you don't want to barge in. Mm, what do you think, Allie? See, I just have to say, I really dislike Rick on the show. I'm sure he's a great guy, yada, yada. And like some the way that people call like Trump 45 is like a sign of disrespect. Like I will never call him by his last name like he is Rick. So which I, I'm already distracted by the question. OK, right, will you David be calling? Will you do Rick. like what what Stacey Powell did to coach and call him like Richard, not even given the service of calling him Rick? Yeah, it's like what happens on the show on the challenge when they call bananas John as like disrespect. Although you'd think bananas would be the bigger disrespect, but like I have real Rick issues and I'm not gonna start calling him that he like his last name as he requested. I feel like everyone's giving him all this credit, like, oh Jeff decided to call him by his last name. Like he asked for that. So no, I will not. Sorry, so let's, I won't let's, even engage. 
So should we not, we won't follow them then. We should, uh, they seem like they're having a personal conversation, albeit without closing their mouths. Uh, we can move on. Well, it's almost like the better thing to do would be to jump in and be like, what, what do you need, Rick? Like, what's up, busted, Rick? Maybe you should. All right, you know what? Let's do that and let's say those words exactly. What do you need, Rick? Busted, Rick. <laughs> what do you need? Okay. Despite what might be sexual innuendos, you need to hear what David and Devons are saying. So you pop out from from behind the bushes. What do you need, Rick? <laughs> uh, whatever else Allie said. Uh, but David, notoriously fearful of loud noises, big movements, etc., is not pleased with you approaching them. Especially Rick. He was really pissed that you did not call him Devons, like he specifically requested. Um, Anyway, they were David and Rick were busy making a weird Final Four deal and thought you'd overheard everything, so they decided to target you instead. After losing the immunity challenge, David and Rick make it their mission to vote you out. You were voted out you unceremoniously. Wait, after, we didn't even get an option to like after, do better. <laughs> no. After Jeff snuffs your torch, you walk down the path and see a sign. Which path will you take? <gasps> hey. If you want a chance to get back in the game, take this torch and get on the boat. Or B, if you do not want to play anymore, follow this path and your adventure will end. Oh, God. I've uh, had enough of Rick. Let's end the adventure. No, no <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta go see Reem. Yeah, no, I'm totally kidding. We're, we're, go- we're going to the left. To the left. I to need the left. to know if Keith is there. <laughs> okay. Cliffhanger! You're gonna have to wait till next week. <laughs> Second. Ha <laughs> ha. What was, can you tell us the best route in this game? Like, is there I'm a assuming, I'm assuming it's you find the idol, right? Yeah, you guys got close, so... Was it going up the tree? Yeah, if you go... Mm. Hold on, there, I was like a million freaking things. Okay, uh, just like Kai Trang, you climb the tree, reach into one of the tree knots, and sure enough, an idol. Quickly, you hop down and shove the idol in your pants. Will you tell anyone about the idol? Will you use the idol to save a returning player? Will you use the idol to take out perpetually dancing Ron Clark, whose peppiness <laughs> becomes grating? Tune in next week to find out. Now I'm intrigued. Uh. Did any other options involve death? Uh, yes. <laughs> okay, so essentially what I did is if you ever ignored idol hunting, you eventually died. So, for example, if you ignore the tree... And you walk, you continue to walk. Uh, It's, uh, I wrote, you ignore the tree and continue down the path when all of a sudden the earth opens up in a giant sinkhole. I should have looked for the tree clearly containing an idol, especially considering this idol is, or this episode is a titled idol search party. You whisper as the darkness of the earth consumes you for all eternity. This is amazing. Adventure ends here. Bravo, Liana, bravo. I I, I don't know, would you rather have drowned or fallen through an open abyss in the earth? I feel like getting medevaced by being poisoned, but not dying is the best. We we won this. The least of all evils there. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much won. Let's see, so... The other one, so if you go, the one, uh, the other big one that you guys uh, didn't end up going to is if you talk to Wendy. So, uh... Big Windy pops out of the bushes and runs up to you. Hey, I know people are against me, but I just want to say that I'm an asset for you. Other people may say, let's target you, but not I. What do you think about working together to take out Wentworth? Um, and then you can make some decisions about what you'd want to do with Wentworth. But let's say, for example, uh, you say, oh, well, I should really go find my clothes that Reem put out. So I'll let you know. <laughs> then Windy would seem sad by your response. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Just remember when you vote me out to write 
big Wendy. I heard Probst really hates that. <laughs> as quickly as Wendy approached you, she sprints off into the jungle. This she's, is amazing. She's definitely going home unless someone really sucks at that challenge, you say to yourself. Anyway, so and then it continues. But this was beautiful. That I'm was very amazing. impressed by this. Congratulations. You guys died. You got many backed. And eventually you No, we did not die. We did I would not. Like we, to we, say, we, we escaped we got death. Back, but in, in another life, we made David Wright poop his pants and really bug <laughs> Rick Devins. Uh, and it does not make us winners in the end, according to Allie. It really does. And who knows? You could be going to the the uh, the edge, and um, you could end up coming back. I don't know. Tune in to find out. Okay, that's all I got. I guess congratulations or whatever. <laughs> Congratulations to you. That was beautiful. Yeah, that, that was fantastic. I applaud your skills. That was that was a lot of fun to a fun journey to go on. Yeah, I've got a fun little chart here because I started getting really confused, <laughs> <laughs> but we made it out in the end. So I just want to there. There are six total endings that I wrote. Two of them oh you die. God. Two of them you're voted out. One of them you get medivac, and one of them you find the idol. So the odds were pretty low to begin with. I'm just like, like successful. You just like winning Survivor. Uh, there's exactly. there's a narrow path there, but you're able to navigate it sometimes. Uh, but I want to talk about something that's actually a bit tangential to Edge of Extinction, but I think still interesting. So I don't know if you guys read this article that Dalton Ross came out with this past week, but it was revealed that Sia's charitable donations to certain Survivor players did not stop with season 36. So this week, Davey Rickenbacker revealed that he got an email from somebody about a week after the reunion saying, Hi, Davey, I really admired your spirit and was moved by your faith, and so I wanted to give you this gift. I'm sorry you didn't win. You were my choice to win. I love you. Keep going. Sort of sketchy, just out of nowhere. But he checked with Jeff, and it turns out that that was Sia, and he received $14,000. That's 1,000% sounds like a scam. Like, okay, but before I transfer you the money, can you send me your (laughs) bank account number and your social security number? That's what I expected to be the end of that email. Oh, my God. Allie, as as someone who is, you know, studying to be a lawyer, how do you feel about the way that Sia approached Davey here in this this method of uh, (sighs) this method of contact? I mean, this has nothing to do with the question you asked me. I just like... I guess I shouldn't be upset that like people are getting money, but the way that Davey tweeted about this was like, I was selected as like the SIA player of the season. It was scholarship. Like, it, it was just like, this isn't an official prize. And I don't want like SIA's $14,000 check to like impact how people play the game. I like, I don't know why it bothers me. Like this is not an official, like it would bother me less if SIA like sponsored the fan favorite or something. It was like an actual vote. But it's just like SIA comes out of nowhere and is just like, based on the edit of Survivor, I'm going to give you the maximum amount I can give you uh, that would be tax deductible. <laughs> like I just don't, I just don't understand this thing. Like I get it that it was like exciting the first time, but now it's like, are people thinking about this when they're playing the game? Like $14,000 is nothing to sneeze at. I don't know. Well, to be like fair, Davy did not play the game knowing because remember he was playing the game, you know, while season thirty six was airing. So I don't think he knew that things were in the cards for Donathan to randomly get CM money. So maybe this yeah, cast the, it might be the but, thing. But I mean, Ty had gotten the money, right? But that was like four seasons beforehand. Uh, fine. 
So I have a few things. First of all, I'm excited for like 10 seasons from now when you get like a random DM on whatever the current social media is. So like Instabook, uh, Vine Instabook. or whatever. Oh, they're bringing know. Vine back? Yeah, the, yeah. the merging of all of them. Like, it's just like, hey, you up, got money for you. Xia, you know, like that's how she decides to message people because, you know, like really an email. That's how you decided to contact AV. Anyway, that was one thought. And then the other thought is, okay, so you know how big companies can buy our representatives because they just have so much money. And then that's how it works with the lobbyists and the whatnot. What if we did that going off Allie's point of trying to buy a survivor player? So, for example, I don't know that start- that was my point. I just no, Allie's that. totally right. Allie we need to buy this. someone and put them on the show. No. So what we do is we start our own prize. We can, you know, Allie, I'm sure you can draft up all of the legal jargon for all of this. And I am not a lawyer. This is not my idea. Or what? I'm no. not enjoying this. So what Allie said in literally her exact words was, let <laughs> Let's raise a bunch of money and then give that money as a prize to the Survivor contestant that plays the way we want them to play. Mm, I like this. Can it be Bitcoin? Uh, well, didn't that guy lose all of the passwords to all of the Bitcoins so no <laughs> one can actually get their Bitcoin anymore? I like so I like that idea. We can't promise anyone. We don't really need to, you know, live up to our promises. That's <laughs> true. Okay. I like this plan. I think we should go forward. I don't know how we would want that person to play, uh, you know, because it can't really be like America's player necessarily. Well, there's no real all right, feedback so, loop. So let's do this. Off of a term that we loved from our Ghost Island season, how about the B&B Bitcoin butt munch of the season in which we determine who's the biggest butt munch and we give them the Bitcoin. <laughs> I like that. Uh, we still will probably have to define the criteria. I don't know if the casuals are the ones that define Allie the Allie will criteria. do that. She can take care of that. Ah, uh, yes. Great. Okay. Thanks, Allie. Considering this was your idea, I really appreciate you <laughs> doing, doing that for us. I did not choose to be a part of this narrative. <laughs> I did not wish to be a part of this narrative since 2009, whatever the quote is. This was not the adventure you chose. <laughs> not my adventure. No, I chose to get swallowed up by the fissure that opened up in the earth instead of forming a scheme to get a survivor player sponsored for Bitcoin to act like a butt munch on national television. Makes sense. Well, Rick's already the clear winner of this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Rick Richard. Uh, what, is that? what is is that his full name? Or is I'm like- assuming Rick is short for Richard. Mm, okay. So I guess the other question that I had to ask with that is, so do we think that there is, I mean, assuming if Sia makes this a recurring thing to Ali's point, do we think there's someone who's in the lead right now to get that money, even though we're only two episodes in? Was there reason or logic behind Davy getting the money? So like, I don't know go- what the criteria is. Going back to her email, she said, Hi, Davy. I really admired your spirit and was moved by your faith. And so I want to give you this gift. I'm sorry you didn't win. You were my choice to win. I love you. Keep going. So I guess the criteria is A, didn't be win. A man. B, B <laughs> uh, you must be flipped as a coursing river. Uh, B, uh, have a good spirit. C, question mark maybe not necessarily mandatory but you know have some spirituality or faith uh well if keith saves a chicken out on the edge then i mean that's a done deal right reem's gonna be so pissed if keith saves a chicken on the edge she's had what three (laughs) bites of coconut in a week (laughs) she's like no i must save her you don't understand we can't eat the chicken it's all about the sea of money think about the long game reem 
Uh, now, is are the returners up for it, even though Sia has declined to give them the award in the past? Like, could she change her mind on someone like David Wright? That's true. Joe is uh, talked about, you know, meditating a lot and having, you know, I don't know if he said the word religion specifically, prayer and meditation because he is at peace with life. I don't know, um, guys. I, I feel like I feel like Ron Clark might be the leading contender here because, again, if you're talking about spirit, he's the most spirited of the bunch. He has so much spirit. He's got 33 movements of spirit. Allegedly. <laughs> That's too much spirit. I mean, at a certain point, it's like spirit overdose. So peppy. Stop it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so we'll, okay. we, we shall see. I guess, do we have a consensus pick right now or do we feel like the field's still wide for who could possibly win this CL award? I mean, it's considering how arbitrary the award seems to be. I don't know that we could make like a uh, reasonable pick. Okay, I'm going to go and no one gets it. Ooh, that's a good, that's a, that's a, you know, risky choice. But I could see that as well. Maybe she feels like I don't want this to be an every season thing. So I'm going to abstain from it. We, I guess we'll see either come finale night or months after the case, apparently, in, in this season. Mm, yeah. Do you think it depends on how she's doing financially, like depending on whether she wants the return or not, like the write-off? Mm, yeah. I mean, let's see how the Sia tours are doing. Or she uh, doesn't get the write-off. I don't really understand taxes. It's just like he doesn't get taxed on it. I think she can write it off, but I don't know. Someone uh, well, who like pays taxes at that level, please let me know. Yeah, I've never had that much money to know <laughs> about taxes at that. Well, because I think I think he doesn't pay taxes on it. Because it's a gift up to a certain amount, but I don't know. I believe if she, can she write might it off. also be able to write it off. I I don't I don't know. Again, I don't get fourteen thousand dollars gifts. I see. If you're interested in teaching me about um, taxes, please feel free to gift me fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Here, Allie, go learn about taxes. <laughs> Who said the B and B wasn't educational? Us making up our own tax law. I would do better than a lot of, uh, or some, at least some survivor winners allegedly have done with <laughs> That's that. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, no jail time for you. <laughs> Not going to watch. <laughs> All right, let's finish things off with our question of the week. Last week's question of the week. Pick one item, speaking of Ron Clark, to add to the Advantage menu. We'll go through all of your answers and read off some of ours as well to add to this ever-growing menu of advantages. First, Sir Mayans said, I would suggest a snakes and ratatouille advantage for the advantage menu, where a snake uh. will come out to eat all the rat rats on the island and hopefully not bite you and send you off medevac. Hmm. Do you get the snake when you go searching for the idol? Or I guess it's the advantage menu, so you have to pick it. Oh my god, can you imagine? That's a choose-your-own-adventure right there. There's three options. What if one results in finding the idol, one results in death, and one results in a medevac? Can you imagine? Poor Ron Clark. Well, I feel like stealing the reward might involve death because I feel like he'll get jumped by the other tribe if he actually does steal the reward from them. Yeah, I'll come up with my own uh, fanfic about what would happen at the, <laughs> the advantage menu in our choose your own adventure story. See, now we can have our own fan fiction corner brought over from the Big Brother podcast just with your own fan fiction. That's right. I have a lot of creativity. I may not be a baboon, but uh, as a lion, sometimes I still feel like I have creativity. I need to channel it somewhere. Next up, Jonathan Troyer, actually staying on the same uh, Ratatouille pun line, it says, my addition to the Survivor Advantage menu would be Rat Out To Ye. If used, you would learn the name of a tribe mate who said in a confessional that they are targeting you. Oh, that would actually be a really interesting Survivor Advantage. Like, essentially, you're gaining information 
Do you have to pick? Oh, okay. You will learn the name of a tribe mate so and conventional they are targeting you. So basically, <gasps> that, you, get, you get to that. watch like the you get to watch like the dailies, I suppose, the Reem dailies, and say like, "Oh, uh, Kelly said they were going to target you." So good luck with that information. Oh, it's very Big Brother. All right, uh, more like Big Brother Canada in terms of just uh, when you don't realize that what you're saying to the cameras is being shown to other people. Uh, Dan Sinensky, veal a stoat. You can steal someone's vote at tribal council. You can also eat calf and weasel. Oh, I get it. I was a little confused at first, but then I saw switched the uh, the words there or the letters or whatnot, and uh, I get it. I get it. Adam Goldman says on the menu is a steak shish kebab on an effing stick that has a face on it that has matured into a real <laughs> idol. Warning: consuming this could lead to a medical evacuation from the game or from Ponderosa. Is that a risk you'd be willing to take? That should be uh, the next Ghost Island uh, wager. It's like, okay, you get to eat this meat on a stick. It could be an idol underneath, but you might get medevaced. You know, that could be something interesting, actually. If they ever brought back, like, the gross food challenge. Like, imagine in Survivor Marquesas if they had idols back then. Of Okay, Boston Rob, at the bottom of this plate of Fafaru is an idol clue. Let's see if you can eat stomach enough to actually get to it. Hmm, gross. <laughs> I get another subtitle of the B and B, possibly. Uh, John John says a drink served on the advantage menu is an option of the juicy juice jury removal, the egg, <laughs> the eggnog extra vote, and the Long Island Legacy iced tea. Oh man, the Long Island Legacy iced tea—that would be like a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> exactly. Is there only considering that, like, yeah, you'd make a bad decision, but it would inform the next person who drinks the Long Island Legacy iced tea will also be making bad decisions. It's just a, a chain that continues. Yeah, Got to break the cycle. The Melissa bot has a few items to throw on there, uh, albeit not necessarily punny, but certainly interesting. Lyrus's jacket, Natalie's jacket, Angelina's jacket. Uh, release Reem to mess with everyone's clothes Pokemon style. I don't know what that means. Uh, or <laughs> you can have a strategy session with either Debbie, Cochran, Fishback, or Nick Majorano. Uh I like release Reem. I also don't know what that means, but I'm very much here for it. Like uh, when Rachel came back into the house and Big Brother just to mess with everybody. That's what I want for Reem. If she has to leave the, the edge for some reason, that's what they should do. <laughs> Well, like, give, bring her back to the game for one last chance at revenge, at yeah. revenge. Well, yeah, her revenge, and then she would just go around annoying everybody. <laughs> uh, Parker Schimler says, just like Debbie got to speak to, to Cochran, I propose to you the sloppy Joe Anglum. Uh, can you explain that one, Mike? No. Okay. <laughs> that, that could mean something else, but... Uh... Did you, okay, so my parents, when, or my mom specifically, she would give me a big wet kiss and she would go, it's a sloppy Joe. Is that a thing? Or is that D just is your mom? Is your mom named Joe? <laughs> <laughs> so your parents just, your mom just kissed you and called you sloppy Joe. <laughs> yeah. Like, Feel free to borrow that one, Mike. I'm sure uh, Liana's mom would have Come here comes the sloppy Joe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cute. As we take breaks from playing our Wii Survivor game, if whether he wins or loses the challenges, he'll get a sloppy Joe no matter what. That's the reward. <laughs> that's the Sia reward. Get a sloppy Joe. Oh, boy. <laughs> Finally, John Tinkham says, my idea for the advantage menu is to steal a reward for your entire tribe and go to Big Tom's Cheese and Tea Burger Burger Barge. 
You'll, you'll be treated to a classic burger and hot tea meal served by Big Tom and T-Bird of Survivor Africa fame. We'll all be served to you while floating on a barge in the, in the ocean, because why not? I, I understand that the T-Bird of it all, I'm a bit confused about why Big Tom's in there. Um, Big Tom's cheeseburger. I don't oh, know. I guess he did. Well, he did when he was asked what he missed most in oh, Africa. He did say cheeseburger. So I guess that does make sense. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can, if they don't remember that David is a returning player, can you imagine if Big Tom or T-Bird came back out there? Totally <laughs> under the radar. That's very true. All right. Let's let's see what we have to add to the menu as well as uh, de facto chefs here. Ali, what do you have? So I felt like I misunderstood the question because I just took existing advantages and put them into food puns. So while we were talking, I came up with a new one also that would be a new advantage. So I do have two. All right. Something old, something new. Give it to us. Yeah. So the, the old one is in like the style of a state fair, like a turkey legacy advantage prepared in an idle nullifier. Uh, Ooh, that does sound good. Oh, and that, oh, that sorry, one is like mine, but better. Oh, yeah, <laughs> mine was the chicken leg sea advantage. Damn. Uh, all right. Um, and then I have a suggestion of <laughs> a re-apple turning over player goes back to their old bay seasoning. So <laughs> you just get to pick the returning player to leave. <laughs> To go back to their old bay seasoning. That way, do you put old bay seasoning in apple turnovers? I don't know how to cook. Just uh, you know, uh, okay. I I went the breakfast route. Uh, I went for extra vote meal with ah. dulce de leche and deviled legacy advantages. Oh my god, y'all just wait. What was the dulce de leche one? It was uh, dulce de leche. Ah, uh, uh, beautiful. Yeah. All right. So for next week, we talked about Ron Clark and his 33 movements. Let's see if we can all put on our best Travis Wall hats and add another movement to that. What is one dance move you would want to bring to Survivor? Uh, probably going to be a currently existing one unless you want to describe to us or hell videotape yourself doing the dance. Why not? We'll accept those submissions. Uh, feel free to send us all your dance moves and we will compile them next week as we talk with i'm super excited for this the first lady of podcasting herself nicole sesternino wow. will be stopping by the bnb to make an appearance to talk about episode three can we say liana because i know the last time the first lady of podcasting was on with rob rob tried to demote her to like the first lady of rhap to not step on other female podcasters. I'm okay as a female podcaster. I don't not to represent all female ca- podcasters with Nicole being the first lady of podcasting. And I know that I'm not the female podcaster that Rob would have been worried about, but uh, for whatever my blessings were, she has it. Yeah. I also uh, don't really care to be honest. I didn't even think <laughs> about it until he said that. Uh, and then I was like, I don't care. So uh, yeah, first we will continue to call her the first lady of podcasting. It uh, feels apropos. So if you have any dance move suggestions that you want to send to us and whatever title you want to deem Nicole Sesternino, uh, you can always reach out to us using the hashtag RHAPBNB. You can always email us RHAPBNB at gmail.com. That's where we also get any game suggestions as well. You can talk about it on the on the Reddit. Now I'm putting the in front of everything. Thank you, Allie. <laughs> the Facebook, the comment section on the RHAP website. Uh, we have a 
bunch of ears and eyes and other body parts, according to Liana, out there to receive them all. And I can't wait to talk about them next week with Nicole. Ali, thank you so much for coming on and showing how much of a baboon you can be gloriously on the B&B this episode before the ocean swallows us up into the <laughs> darkness. Uh, how can people follow you on social media and what have you been up to with this season of the challenge? Yeah, as always, it was absolutely my pleasure. I love talking to you guys. Uh, thank you for uh, doing this late on a Friday night for my travel schedule. Um, I, you could follow me at Lash Tweets. Um, and what am I doing? I don't know. We're podcasting about the challenge. It's been a great season. Challenge War of the World, season 34? Three. Season 33. And it's it's been great. It's a whole mismatch, mishmash of players from all over the world, all over the reality TV universe. We had Bachelor, US and Canada. We have Survivor Turkey. We have Big Brother. We have Road Rules Real World. We have Ari the One. Uh, and then all of the UK properties. It's been a blast. Uh, so come check us out at robiswebsite.com slash challenge iTunes. Yeah, I do want to say this might be one of my favorite starts to a challenge season ever. And you and Brian have done such a great job of covering it. I will admit without going into too many spoilers, but I guess to bring it back to Survivor, it's a bit Survivor game changers for me in terms of talk about spoilers for the next little bit or so. The big names going home early. So hopefully the end of the season will, you know, play better than at least the back half of Game Changers did, but it's been so much fun so far. Yeah, I think this is definitely intentionally uh, a season to try to get the new future of the challenge to sort of stand on its own, and I think also unintentionally they've been set up well where, as you said, the big names have gone home. So it will be a nice, like, look into the next, I don't know, five seasons of the challenge if we make it that far, which I think we will. The the, the ratings have been up, so uh, it is it is a peek into the future of the challenge. So if you haven't watched before, it's a good time to get on board. You will not have missed much. Uh, right. And it's back on track with actually ending the episode with an elimination. Yes. Which I know seems crazy to ask for, but I'm very thankful. <laughs> As Survivor... As Survivor becomes one full big season of a cliffhanger, not even just this episode, the entire season is just a cliffhanger. Uh, the challenge somehow gets its act together. So uh, we're having some closure week to week, which is a nice change. All right, Liana, what about you? Uh, yes, uh, you can find me on social media at Liana Boris, L-I-A-N-A-B-O-R-A-A-S. And uh, of course, in addition to doing the B&B, Mike, you and I are talking with Brent Walgamont about everything RuPaul's Drag Race. So we just had the first episode of season 11 air this week. So we'll be talking about that later. That should be coming out soon. Um, yeah, I know, girl. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Allie, before just very quickly, because I'm sure we'll have you on over the course of this season but do you have any quick thoughts about the premiere of drag race are you sure because i never get the invite anymore i think i was on once but i love listening that's the real bonus of not having being on the podcast is i get to listen to it it's amazing i don't know how you guys do it with uh the back-to-back seasons i i don't want to say anything until i hear you guys in my earbuds um but i'm pumped for this season i'm pumped for the new queens i'm pumped for Miss Silky, uh, I think it's going to be a wild ride. <laughs> and you can always follow me at a Mike Bloom type. You can check out the Top Chef coverage we're doing here on Reality TV or Hap Ups and with Parade Magazine as well. I'm covering Star Trek for THR and for Post Show Recaps. 
lot of stuff out there. So be sure to check it all out as well as all the great stuff that Ali and Liana are doing too. That's going to do it for this week on the BNB. Again, feel free to let us know your thoughts about these games. If you have any game suggestions or dance moves that you want to bring to the table, we'll talk about them next week with Nicole Sesternino. Special thanks to Will from America for our kick-ass theme song as Ali lauded understandably beforehand. Scott St. Pierre for editing this behind the scenes and Paul Oselson for head writing and producing that Survivor by the Numbers game that got everyone just a little bit confused, but in the best way possible. <laughs> Ali, Liana, thank you so much. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll check you out at your next day. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name. It's the R-H-A-P-B-M-B. Mike and Liana, yeah, they're playing some games. You better pray to your mama that they're not super lame. And if that all sounds cool, I can tell you the name.